Are you ready to witness greatness? College fans, welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. Different day, same recipe. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. We're setting you up with the information you need to watch your team win. Let's go! We're here to break it all down. Let's go, let's go. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Now, we're live from your tailgate. Here's Brian No. All right, it is Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM. New users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. Today we'll have Bill Krakenberger, Crack, sports handicapper from CrackWins.com, doing all the NFL goodies. But right now, let's get it kicked off with Jared Smith, Jared Smith talking some college football, lead betting analyst from PicksWise.com. Jared, did you notice I didn't screw up one word except for your name? How do you feel about that? Well, and it was also like the easiest last name in like the history of last names. Like I can't <laughs> think of an easier one. So I know it's, okay. it's not Krakenberger, it's Smith. How I'll, did I'll I screw go up Brian Smith? Poe from now on. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start it off, man. Uh, I'm looking at a couple of the games you've got your eye on. SEC action, Tennessee against LSU. LSU is a three-point underdog. Home dog in this one. By the way, just on a personal note, I I rode the wave of LSU last week against Auburn, and it probably took a good five years off my life. They got it done. They got there. But it was not the scenic route. It was the route from hell. But they got it done. What do you see in this one against Tennessee? Yeah, well, you, you, you hit up our group chat about midway through that game, and you said that LSU was a good bet live since Auburn um, you know, hasn't really shown themselves very well this year. That's certainly what I've seen, um, and it was a great call by you. But the Vols are off the bye here, and they haven't won in Baton Rouge in basically two decades, since 2005. Interesting spot for them. Look ahead next week to Bama. We'll see what that means. We'll see how focused they are. LSU, even though they came back and won that game against Auburn, a lot of the professional handicappers that I speak to still downgraded them because, let's be honest, that was a very fortunate comeback victory against a very, very poor Auburn team. Now, the one reason you would like LSU in this spot, they're at home, they're catching points, but the local start time here, 11 a.m. It's noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Central. So I think that negates the, the Death Valley factor a little bit. The fact that it's literally still breakfast time when these teams are starting to play. I think a night game would have better suited LSU's underdog, you know, upset chances here. And the question for me is on defense for LSU is all about their secondary. I mean, Auburn quarterback Robbie Ashford had 372 passing yards through four games, and he threw for 337 against LSU last week. It, that's just something's wrong there with the LSU secondary. Now, Hendon Hooker's been fantastic. The one knock I will make on his game, for a mobile quarterback, his sack ratio is pretty high. 
and we look at this metric called pressure to sack rate, which is almost 30% for him this year, meaning three out of every time, three out of 10 times that Hooker is pressured, he gets sacked. And for a mobile quarterback, that's a very high rate. So I'm curious if the LSU front line can, you know, take that pressure and, and, and make it negative plays. Uh, Cedric Tillman, it looks like, isn't going to play this week. That's the star Tennessee wide receiver. That's great news for LSU secondary. On the other side, with Jaden Daniels, you already saw it in that game against Auburn, just the physicality of the SEC, I think, starting to take its toll. He's, he's not a very thick individual, a little thin, wiry, um, and I'm curious if he can handle now another week in the SEC against the, you know, maybe Tennessee's defense isn't all world, but these are still SEC athletes. The one thing I will say positive for Daniels this year, hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. We'll see if that continues. Um, but he's been inefficient on deep balls, and I think that's something that you'd like to see change, especially against the ball secondary. Uh, that's 97th in EPA against the pass. So you would think there's going to be opportunities for this LSU offense with a very talented group of skill position players to be able to stretch the field. I kind of like the over vibe in this game. It's in the mid to low 60s. I think Tennessee is going to move the ball effectively. They play at a lightning-quick pace. And all the things I'm hearing from LSU, they had a players-only meeting this week with the skill position guys trying to figure out why this passing game has been inefficient. And I think Tennessee's defense really hasn't been tested. Akron, Ball State, Pitt with a backup quarterback, Florida with an inaccurate quarterback and no talent at wide receiver. Brian Kelly, at some point, will get this offense humming. That's what he does. And I think over 64 is probably the best look I have for this game. The over vibes. I like how you say that. You know, I'm feeling Tennessee in the first half more than anything in this game. Maybe it gets a little bit crazy in the second half. That Valley comes alive. I like what you're thinking with the 11 a.m. local start time. And LSU has been freaking brutal in the first half. So I like Tennessee. It's only a point and a half that Tennessee is favored by in the first half. You could go money line. I got it at minus 130. I'll spend the extra cash, but I like Tennessee to at least have a lead at halftime because LSU, they have been such slow starters in these last couple of games. I think Tennessee takes advantage of that. I don't mind it at all. I mean, if you were going to ask me preseason, this line's less than three, I I would be a little bit concerned because you're thinking to yourself, well, Tennessee at LSU, they're going to be a road favorite, but LSU continues to get downgraded. You know, every week it seems like they've shot themselves in the foot in different ways, and, and even though they won last week, not an impressive victory at all. Okay, let's move it to uh, the Pac-12. Utah against UCLA. Utah, rough and tumble, right? UCLA. I, you know what? I don't know how you feel about this. I don't want to go off on a tangent, Jared, but I think there are certain teams that get – a uh, a reputation, say Oregon, oh, just a bunch of bubble screens and just kind of like tricking you. UCLA seems to have that type of of uh, reputation. A lot of it isn't true. Granted, you might not be as physical as Utah, but you can't run the ball effectively without some physicality. So you tell me what you think in this Utah-UCLA game. UCLA, a three-and-a-half-point home dog here. Yeah, and uh, uh, this line opened three, and it immediately jumped to four. I even saw a four and a half pop up at some point. And then you started to see the other side. You know, you saw some UCLA money come into the market about midweek, and now we're sitting at that three and a half number. I, I would say that's probably where it closes. But let's just do line comparison for a minute. 
So last week, Washington was minus three at UCLA. Utah this week, let's just call it three and a half. What you're telling me is that Utah and Washington would be basically a pick on a neutral. And I don't buy that for a second. I, I mean, Utah is better than Washington. So I, I think the early line value, just based off of comparing what we saw with Washington last week to now Utah this week, unless you're willing to say Utah and Washington are evenly matched teams, which I'm not willing to go there. I think Utah is at least a field goal ahead of Washington on a neutral. Then you're getting early value, I think, here on the Utes. Now, Kyle Whittingham, I mean, goodness gracious, I went back and looked at these matchups. 9-3 and three against the spread in 12 games against UCLA. Five straight, not only straight up, but against the number. And those five games have been incredibly one-sided. The Utes are outscoring the Bruins 234 to 99 in those five games. They're covering by an average of 18 and a half points. Physicality has been a problem in this matchup. We haven't seen the Bruins really get punched yet. Their schedule has been soft. Washington's defense especially was soft last week. Prior to that, they haven't really been tested. Alabama State, Bowling Green, South Alabama. Utah will present a physical challenge for this UCLA team that I don't know if they're willing to handle. Now, the Utah offense has been playing slightly below expectation. Brant Keithy, the tight end, all-world, probably first or second-round pick, out for the year. Tavion Thomas, their running back, average, four and a half yards per carry. Solid, but nothing to write home about. I do think this Utah offense is relying a lot on Cameron Rising. Now, he's making all the plays, but he's still searching for that wide receiver to emerge. You could also say the Utes have been a little unlucky. They're a top 15 team efficiency on standard downs, but when you talk about points per opportunity outside the top 80. So they're moving the ball effectively, but they're not finishing those drives with points on the offensive end. Now you have those two outliers against Florida where they were inside the five. Neither of them got points. That skews the numbers a little bit. But I think it's fair to say that this Utah offense has performed a little bit below expectation. Now, they're facing a UCLA defense that's been okay. They struggle on late downs, 99th in success rate on third and fourth downs. To me, that's where Utah really has the edge in this game, Brian, because I just told you Utah's a top 15 team on standard downs, which means first down, second down, they get positive yardage. That means third and short. And that's bad news for UCLA's defense that really struggles to get off the field. We talked about UCLA's offense. They haven't faced the defense that's really pushed them yet. They will this week. Utah's front seven, maybe slightly below expectation, but their secondary's elite. Clark Phillips might be the best corner in the, in the country. He's the reigning national player of the week. Three picks against Oregon State. He's the highest recruited player Utah's ever had in the secondary. He is a guy that probably is going to be one of the first corners taken off the board in this draft. So while you Utah's front seven, maybe with the front line, especially giving up some more yards per rush that you would like. The secondary's elite, and I don't think UCLA's seen a defense quite like this this year. So I, I like the Utes in this matchup. I'm curious about Dorian Thompson-Robinson, where he's 22 years old. I swear he's been UCLA starting quarterback for 20 of those 22 years. You know, he's <laughs> been there forever. But you mentioned Utah's defense. And seeing a, a dual-threat QB who can scramble around, make some things happen, I want to see how big of a factor DTR's legs are in this one because it might not be enough for UCLA to get the win as a home dog, but he could scramble around for a, a decent amount of yardage and keep it interesting in the fourth quarter. I agree. So there's a couple things about Utah's defense 
that have kind of led me to believe they're struggling a little more than maybe some of the numbers indicate. First of all, sometimes the coaches will tip their hand based off of scheme. Utah's defensive coordinator Morgan Scally has done that over the last two games. I've noticed other people that cover this industry have noticed he's putting five defensive linemen down in the box on standard downs, which is not something you've seen often from Utah in years past because they've been so good with getting pressure and stopping the run with their front four base. But you're starting to see minor adjustments, more five down linemen for Utah on standard downs with the goal of stopping the run. The one positive thing I will say, Utah has faced two mobile quarterbacks already this year, Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. Now, you could say one much more efficient than the other, but neither really, I think, are at the level of DTR. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson will be the best quarterback, top to bottom, nose to toes, that the uh, Utes have faced this season. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. He came out after the win and said, we're the worst 4-0 team in the country. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. I, I think he's looking at it from a perspective of trying to pump up his troops, but maybe he's in the process showing us that, yeah, maybe UCLA is not as good as some of these other teams that are undefeated. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I like the, 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 the chip on his shoulder, but I, I would be worried if DTR gets into some trouble and tries to scramble too much and, and doesn't really stick to the game plan in this one. I like that, nose to toes. And I also liked... DTR, he was talking smack against mm-hmm. Washington last week, kind of like, get off my field. I, I, you need some of that swag if you're going to pull off another upset at home against Utah. We'll see how that unfolds. One more to look at, TCU at Kansas. The Jayhawks, six-and-a-half-point home dogs in this one. You got college game day out there, a bunch of hoopla. Yeah, Jalen Daniels, who's been really good this year, struggle last week against Iowa State. It was a grinder. 14 to 11. What in the world in the Big 12 is going on over here? 14 to 11, but they got it done. Jayhawks are undefeated. My spidey sense is telling me you are just waiting, Jared Smith, to pounce on the opposite team facing the Jayhawks. Am I right in this spot? Oh, I was so gutted by how the end of that Iowa State Kansas game uh, transpired last week. I don't know what Matt Campbell's smoking, but I I seriously question um, maybe it's something in the water there in Ames. They, you, you just had a kicker miss twice from inside of 40. One of them hit the upright. I think the other one was just a flat-out shank. And it's like fourth and inches or fourth and one uh, from inside the 30-yard line. And, and you run him out there again to, to miss the last field goal of the game, which was just an absolute miss. Stone cold off the leg, not even close. I, I, I just – and again, this isn't a, a, you know, an Iowa State handicap, but my point is Kansas was incredibly fortunate to win that game. Kansas had negative yardage on their final four drives of the game. I think it was like a minus 23. They were outgained by 100 yards in the game. They, they made an entire college football game where they gained 200 yards and they won. I mean, it, it, was, it was one of those games where you're on the wrong side because the loss is in your ledger. But when you look at the box score and you really look at what Kansas did, you, you find it hard to see positives. Now, that being said, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. They're 5-0. and So that's great. They've got game day coming to town. That's also great. 
they're trying to be 6-0 and for the first time since 2007. We've seen massive upgrades in both of these teams' power ratings. TCU's been fantastic, too. Also undefeated. Their offense is first in EPA per rush, sixth in EPA per play. They are gaining nine yards per play on first downs. Max Dugan, 85% completion percentage on first downs. And again, when we talk about overall efficiency on offense, the early down numbers are much more predictive because that's when the defense is kind of in betwixt and in between. They don't know if you're going to run or you're going to pass. The third and fourth down numbers tend to be a little more volatile. So the fact that TCU is doing incredible things on first down leads me to believe that their offense with Sonny Dykes is it's got staying power. Now, you could argue this is a letdown spot for both teams. Kansas, we talked about that ugly win as a home dog, but it was still a home dog win over a team that's perennially been pretty solid in the Big 12. TCU's off of that ridiculous blowout over Oklahoma. Both teams, you would say, could be in potential letdown spots. Now, I think when you look at just the straight-up metrics, the Horned Frogs, they're BFS, bigger, faster, stronger, in, in every category. They've got better players. They're highly recruited players. They're guys that have been studs in their respective high schools where Kansas you know, doesn't really get those guys to come play football. and basketball, they do. In football, they don't get those guys to come to Lawrence. Um, but I've been impressed with the way this scrappy Jayhawks bunch has looked in the non-skill position areas. Their offensive line's grading out well. 23rd in opportunity rate. And opportunity rate is when your offensive line provides at least four yards of space and the running backs get at least four yards of, of you know positive yardage. So this is an offensive line that doesn't have a lot of beef or a lot of five-star talent, but they're, they're, they're moving some people around. And the weakness for TCU is stopping the run. Outside the top 75 in defensive line yards, 116th in stuff rate. That tells me the Jayhawks won't be behind the chains much. Now, to me, Kansas is a little thin at running back. They lost Daniel Hillshaw Jr. in that game against Iowa State. He's the third leading rusher behind Devin Neal and the quarterback Daniels. But to me, TCU can negate all of this run game, slow the clock down, try to keep it out of TCU's offensive hands if they could just get off to a fast start and force Kansas to play from behind the scoreboard. So I, I, this is a really tough game to handicap because, again, both teams are kind of due for the letdown. But if you were going to ask me which team has the talent to just run away and hide and make this a three- or four-score game, I, I absolutely would take TCU, and I, I think I'll get to the window on the Horn Frogs. I like it. Good stuff, Jared Smith. I'm going to enunciate every every time I go with Smith, you know, so I don't screw it up like the beginning of this podcast. But we'll have more with Jared from PicksWise.com on our Saturday kickoff show. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Three hours leading up to kickoff in that noon Eastern time time slot. So 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time, and you just do the conversion rate. Wherever wherever you are in the country, just three hours leading up to kickoff, we'll have Rich Ornberger with us as well, the Penn State All-American. So make sure you check us out. More picks, more analysis, more fun. Hey, earn a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, I want to welcome in Bill Krakenberger, sports handicapper from crackwins.com, joining us here on Countdown to Kickoff. Crack, let's get right in, baby. I'm looking at it. You've got the Ravens and Bengals circled right here heading into this weekend. So we'll go straight to Sunday Night Football in Baltimore. Right now, Baltimore, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. What are you seeing in this one? So, hi, hi guys. Uh, you know, 
I, I try to put you guys on a, on our group text. I try to give you everything before I bet it because things move. Uh, you know, I'm betting in a lot of places that things will move. The lines will move. I noticed today, though, maybe because it's a little bit closer to game time, even though it's only Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, as, as the week goes on, lines get tighter. The respect is not there. If I bet something on Monday morning at 7 a.m., you can guarantee it's moving a full point. I'm literally controlling the NFL totals market uh, on, on something. But yet now, betting middle of the week, as I told you guys, I kind of lean towards the under there, Cincinnati-Baltimore. I still see one, two, three, forty-eight and a half, forty-eight 48 across the board, um, kind of see a low. I thought there was a lot of points for these two teams. Uh, kind of like the under here. I expect this more towards game time to close a lower number. So uh, looking at the under there in that game, primetime game, a lot of eyes will be on Cincy. Um, you know, people just, and to be real blunt, a lot of eyes will be on Baltimore too. This is actually a good game. It's a tight game. The, the line is free. Speaking of tight games, I know some of the sharpest syndicate guys in the world, the sports betting syndicates, they are all complaining and not, not complaining about they're just it's really a, a a prop to the bookmaker saying, hey, you guys are getting the lines right. These sides are very tight this season. Yeah, I think you'd have to say, Craig, the Bengals offense been one of the more disappointing units in the league so far. We just saw them high flying their way to the Super Bowl and it's been tough sledding so far. A lot of sacks being given up. So, yeah, the under might be the right play. Let's go to another game here. You've got Philly at Arizona on your radar, and you're looking at the first half line. What are you thinking here with the Eagles? You know, I've been tough on – I've been very tough on Philly. Uh, I, you know, it's it just they, – they seem to always break my heart when I – it seems like at the end, when it comes time, the nitty-gritty, when it counts, they just don't have – I don't see they have seen them that, that they have the heart to, to close there. So – uh, I've been tough on Philly over the years. Listen, they're, people think they're the best team in football right now. I've heard that. Uh, it, it's, that's not what I think, I, I, but I think they are probably even better than I thought. Uh, I thought teams made them look good this year. Listen, they got Jacksonville. They got Minnesota. Cousins throwing three interceptions uh, in the red zone. It made them look a little bit better. This week might be a good spot here for Philadelphia first half. This line opened up at six. It went down to five. The res- this is, I'm talking about the regular full game line. Opened up six, went down to five everywhere. That's when the first half ticked down from three and a half down to three. It's minus three, minus 15, minus three, minus uh, 20 everywhere, including MGM. And uh, I just think the first half, Philadelphia comes out a little powerful here. Like, I like the three. I like laying the three instead of the three and a half, of course. I, I, I'm just kind of disappointed not that i am i actually liked arizona under season wins before the year started they're coaching and stuff i i'm just kind of down on them so even though they're home primetime game probably a probably a good spot for them the line did move in their favor but that's why i'll go with the first half here and lay the three points with philly yeah i don't hate that at all and how about this it might make you feel even better crack arizona has not scored a point in the first quarter in four games they have yet wow. to score a point. <laughs> so if you're thinking Philly in the first half, I, it makes a lot of sense to me. You've got another game circled here, Dallas. So if you look at the Cowboys, who have done very well with Cooper Rush, they're on the road against the defending champion Rams. And the Rams did not look great on Monday night against San Francisco. Rams are back at home facing Dallas. What do you see in this one? 
Yeah, the Rams, and both the Rams and Cincinnati are proving that uh, last year's Super Bowl may have even been a fluke between those two teams. Uh, th- th- this year, they're both not looking uh, anything uh, big and spectacular, considering they were in the big game last year. Dallas, like I said on our Sunday show, game, week two, uh, ten point move compared to the preseason, the pre look line, look ahead line. Uh, again, I-, I looked this morning. I didn't even know this. Dallas three and one. The thing I didn't know is they're not as bad off as people thought. I went and looked at their season wins. It's back to ten and a half. So. This, this team is looking back at, at, at their pre preseason uh, look ahead regular season win line, not as bad as people thought. Here, Cooper Rush is proving that he could play in the NFL, and you know this big controversy with you know Jerry Jones sticking his sticking his uh, I, I don't know what out here on the line trying to get some look always looking there could be some controversy and some drama, saying oh well if Dak comes back I, I hope they're battling for trust me. They're paying Dak on what you know, 150 million, whatever they gave him. He's going to be the starting quarterback if he comes back. I mean, maybe something will happen later in the season, but uh, or maybe they'll see that maybe get some rust off him. But he'll be the starting quarterback anyway. In this game, I, I I bet a lot of my games when I bet when I bet game over, I like betting first half overs. That's what I like betting. I'm not real big on unders first half. However, I kind of like I lean to the under here in the first half, rather than going the full game, 43, 43 and a half, kind of lean under. This is a, Again, this is an obtainable line of 21. As a matter of fact, BetMGM has 21 over 15, which means you lay 105 on the under. Kind of lean to the under there um, on the first half. I think they'll come out a little bit slow. Rams have come out slow out like every game. So uh, I think we'll, we'll look. Uh, this is a big spot for the Rams, though, by the way. They really have to come out here and, and prove that, they are going to be a playoff team again this year, and last year wasn't that fluke. Early money has came coming on Dallas. Line opened up six, down to five. I'm going to stay away from the sides like I mostly always do. Uh, going to rather go here with the total, first half total, lean to the under first half. By the way, real fast, Crack, just a minute here, but I'm in Denver. I'm here for the Thursday night game. I just don't see how the Colts are going to score. I got the under Colts team total at 19 and a half. Will I be a rich man at the end of the night? I I, I don't dislike that. I, I I think we're looking at a low lower scoring game tonight. You know, it opened up 43 and a half down to 42. Uh, I, I could see that easily. Listen, the Colts are, are, are the just, there's one of the teams that I just can't figure out every week from week in week out. The first week they had that nice little comeback for the the overtime. Uh, I think it was Houston. Um, and then they yeah. got the, the, the tie. It was a tie game. I, I, I just, and then they come out and, and somehow, you know, every week, like, like I always say, any given Sunday, anything can and will happen. So anything can happen tonight. And of course, in this game too, I would lean towards the under there. Like you said, I would actually, I actually would like your, probably your team total under, um, more than even the game under, uh, these kind of mm-hmm. games sometimes last minute can get a last minute cover with the over with a couple fluke things in the fourth quarter if it's a tight game or something, uh, or, or even a backdoor cover. So um, I would kind of lean towards your under there team total. That's a, that's, a, that's a good bet there, right? I like that. Very nice. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's live betting, the daily Lions boost, or the cash out feature. New users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. We'll have much more with Crack on Sunday morning. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. 
three hours leading up to kickoff. So it's 10 a.m. Eastern time to 1 p.m. Eastern time and right up to that 1 p.m. early window. We'll have another London game for you. So that'll be going on during the show. So we'll have a lot of fun with crack. Myself, Brian No, and also our guy, Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran. Check us out on Sunday.